Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we want to thank you for joining us as we continue in our series of podcasts that focus on current topics and events that are shaping our society, the world of education, and the local church. Today we are continuing in our series of podcasts that we have titled Spending Time with the Text. We began this series in the weeks leading up to Easter, asking several of our faculty members here at the college to share their unique insights and revelations into various scripture texts that focused specifically at that time on the events connected with the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. This series was such a success that we decided to continue it from time to time as a way to encourage all of us to grow as followers of Christ who are able to correctly explain the word of truth, as the Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy. Joining us today is Dr. Mark Halen, the head of DCC's Bible Department. Dr. Halen is no stranger to our leadership podcast, and in fact, it was his email about a particular text he was translating with students in a Greek class that sparked the Spending Time with the Text podcast idea. Helping to guide our discussion with Dr. Halen is the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, the Vice President of Institutional Advancement, Mr. Mark Worley. So, Mark, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you facilitate today's episode with Dr. Halen. Yeah, thanks, Scott, because I'm just excited about today because I always get such incredible insights from Dr. Halen, Mm -hmm. I tell you. Uh, if, if the listener doesn't know, he's one of the most brilliant people walking the face of the earth. God has gifted him, and I love the way that he uses that gift for the glory of God. Uh, and, and not only that, but the text, or one of the texts that we're talking about today, is, is one of my favorite. You know, it's right out of John 9, where <clears throat> a man who is born blind... Uh, Jesus heals him, and I love the after effects, you know, where it's like, look, all I can tell you is once I was blind, but now I can see. But uh, Dr. Halen, you've taken a, a, a deeper look at that passage and, and that concept of being blind, and it's not only literal blindness, but it's also spiritual and figurative blindness. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh this study and, and what 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 all you've found there's a lot of incredible things here yeah the the image uh well let me first begin by saying that john structures his gospel around a series of dialogues that jesus has with various individuals yeah and these dialogues are exemplars so to speak of how people respond to the gospel and the context in which they respond to the gospel. And the, the story of the healing of the man born blind is, is one of the culminating ones. You know, it comes close to the climax of the gospel where you have the, the raising of Lazarus and then the, the uh, triumphal entry and the upper room discourse and all that. So it's one of the final it's not the final, but it's one of the final ones. And so there's culmination of a lot of things. And there, there are a lot of themes in, in the Gospel of John that play out in the John 9 narrative. Uh, implicitly, it, it, it is bringing forward a theme that was introduced in the very beginning words, uh, beginning sections of, of the Gospel of John. In John 1, uh, we're told that that Jesus is the light of men, and he's been shining in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome him. We see that in John 1, 4, 4 and 5. Uh, and as the light who came into the world, he gives light to all men, 1, 9. Of course, that's an implicit connection to the idea of bringing sight to the blind. Uh, his entrance into the world forced people to make decisions. This is the crisis, or this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, but evil men prefer darkness rather than light. And at the end of John 9, we see the Jewish leadership divided, and, and with the majority saying, no, nah, no, nah, he can't be, and, and you know, the quote, quote that you said, well, the, the man born blind who can now see, says, well, I'm telling you guys, uh, you know, whether he's this, that, the earth thing, I don't know, but. I know this. Uh, and so we have that theme. We, ha we also have themes like being sent uh, several times in the Gospel of John. Jesus identifies himself as the one who the Father sent. And he does that in uh, chapter 8. In the previous chapter, he refers to the Father as the one who had sent him five different times. And and therefore, it's with a little wink of the eye, I think, that John includes the detail for those who didn't know that when Jesus you know, sent, him to, uh, sent the blind man to the pool of Siloam to wash off this mud that's, that's on his eyes that Jesus had produced, that John tells us, now, Siloam means sent. And so Jesus has sent the man, this man who becomes Jesus' disciple, and, and all through the book, as I said, Jesus is the one who's been sent by God. And, and that kind of introduces the swing into the final portions of the book where Jesus begins to emphasize that I was sent by the Father, now I'm sending you. And, of course, in John chapter 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, which, which is pretty much John's equivalent to the Great Commission. In the Gospel of John, of course, John doesn't record the Great Commission sort of mountainside experience, but that's kind of John's version. So there's all these tie-ins, uh, and, and I'd say there's Old Testament tie-ins as well. First thing God created was light, and therefore blindness becomes not just f this physical malady, but becomes this image of of a lack of connection with the inability to perceive truth, a lack of connection with God. And we see, we see blindness used, especially by the prophet Isaiah, uh, as, as an image for the blind leaders of, of Judah who do not perceive things. Uh, and, and in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 35, Isaiah... Uh, 29 there are statements about a future day yeah. when the blind will see and and blindness physical blindness was a was a, a hazard in the ancient world where you lived in a climate where there's a lot of dust a lot of bright sunlight and of course they don't have the ability to to uh, remedy to adjust for visual impairment so, you know, people like me uh, who are very visual, vision impaired, 
uh, you know, we slap glasses on you, you know, in the first grade when we figure out that you can't see very well. <laughs> Second and, grade for me. Yeah, that, that, that actually probably slows down the process of blindness. In the ancient world, somebody like me probably would have become blind uh, because, you know, you're, you're squinting, you're looking, you know, and then eye strain and all that. You finally, your eyes just give out. So blindness was fairly common in the ancient world. Uh, and so because of all these factors, and so it became this image. Uh, in the story itself, we have this interesting thing that happens where Jesus begins using and John begins using the idea of seeing as a metaphor for perception and understanding. Uh, one of the things that is fascinating to me in this story is there are two verbs in play. You have the verb oida, which many times is translated no, you know, K-N-O-W, uh-huh. no, yeah. uh, but c- can be used for the idea of perceiving, recognizing, or seeing. Also in use in John chapter 9 is the standard verb for physical vision, and that's blepo. And uh, one of the things that happens in in John chapter 9, right off the bat in chapter 1, you know, Jesus has been preaching John chapter 7, John chapter 8. He's been preaching on the Feast of the Tabernacles. And as part of the Tabernacles uh, observance, a week-long observance, there's a festival of light. It's kind of interesting that you got the, f- the festival of lights in Hanukkah, which is in John chapter 10, but there's also a light festival in Feast of Tabernacles. Probably has its roots in the fact that Solomon dedicated the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles, and the glory of God descended into, into the tabernacle. We're told that cloud envelops but, but uh, you know, whenever there's the cloud, there's also the light, okay? There's kind of that dual thing in Exodus and throughout the Pentateuch of the presence of God with cloud and pillars of you know, fire. And so there's probably association with light. Well, anyway, all through chapter 7 and 8, Jesus has been talking about light and perception. Uh, in uh, chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I'm the light of the world, yeah. okay? Then after he gets done talking about you know light in chapter 7 and 8 there's also a division among the people uh, some people think he's got he's got a demon you know he's a Samaritan you know and all this kind of stuff and other people eh, I don't know you know and then as he's like kind of like leaving in chapter 9 verse 1 he sees hmm. he perceives he recognizes this man he takes note of him he owed us, this man. And because Jesus sees him, perceives him, he will then be able to see when he responds in belief hmm. and trust in Jesus. Meanwhile, Jewish leaders will not <laughs> be right. able to perceive, to recognize because they refuse to believe the testimony of this man. They, ref- they refuse to trust what their eyes should tell them. Hmm. And, and, and this 
mixture of oida and blepo comes to the fore in two different verses. Uh, in verse 21, they're grilling this poor guy's parents, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, okay, he's of age, ask him. We, we, we don't know. Uh, and, and they say to the Pharisees, uh, uh, or the Pharisees say, we perceive, we know, we perceive that this is, uh, or no, the parents say, we perceive that this is our son mm-hmm. and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not perceive. Nor do we perceive who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Mm-hmm. Then later, they, they bring in the son for the second time. you got all these various uh, scenes and dialogues between the Pharisees and different people. And he simply responds, whether he's a sinner, I don't perceive. I don't know, I don't understand, I don't I don't get, I don't see. I don't see whether he's a sinner. One thing I do see, perceive, that though I was blind, now I blepo. Yeah. And and again, this harkens back to to the Old Testament imagery that that when when God's fullness of time comes. When his redemption and salvation comes, the blind will see, the lame will walk. <laughs> and, and it is fascinating that with all the miracles recorded by Old Testament prophets like Elijah and Elisha, no blind man ever sees. About the best you get is a leper getting cleansed. No blind man ever sees. And it's probably significant as well that John makes sure that we know that this man was born blind. He didn't become blind. He was blind from birth. And Jesus is able to heal this, this mm. blind man. Mm-hmm. And, and <clears throat> this blind man grows in his perception, and it's like <laughs> inverse. As he grows in his perception, the Jewish leaders grow in their refusal. So they grow in their blindness. They become more and more blind. Uh, the man first is able to identify, okay, the guy that healed me, he's Jesus. That's in verse 11. You know, I can tell you his name's Jesus. Later in verse 17, he says, I can tell you this guy's a prophet. Then in verse 30, he's the one who opened my eyes. In verse 33, he's from God. Then in verse 38, he says, Lord, when Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Lord, I believe, and he worships him. Meanwhile, verses 35 and following to the end of the chapter, the Jews are progressing, the Jewish leaders are progressing in their non-belief. And it's kind of, it's kind of reminiscent of the line from the Ray Stevens song in the 1970s, there is none so blind as he who will not see. And that's what's going on uh, wow. in this story. <clears throat> yeah, you know, uh, at the end of the book of Acts, uh, Paul quotes mm-hmm. Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You know, he says that, that you'll uh, hear but not be hearing. You will see but not perceive. Uh, 
it's pretty powerful the the idea of the physical seeing and then the figurative or the spiritual blindness yeah the again i think it's significant in a world where blind people exist through no fault of their own and it's again it's interesting the very opening of john 9 well who sinned this man or his parents and jesus says neither let's just let's just bracket that out you know <laughs> yeah. we're we're here and god's going to demonstrate his power mm-hmm. and be glorified uh through this uh and and but in a world full of these uh, not full of but in a world where exist people who are physically blind you know it is fascinating how this image of blindness as something you are culpable for you are culpable for your refusal um and and throughout old testament again there uh the imagery of blindness is used for people who who refuse to believe what they ought to know um isaiah uses blindness to talk about idolaters he portrays them as not only illogical but blind they refuse to understand uh uh the Pentateuch has text where judges are warned that a bribe will blind them to obvious justice and they won't be able to uh, to perform justice. So there's culpability. Well, Mark, I think, I think it's also interesting in the story you, you alluded to before where Paul or Jesus says, you know, he mixes uh, the spit and, and uh, mud and he says, go to the pool. And they don't, they don't glory in the fact that this man was healed. They take exception that they that Jesus violated the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot of rabbinic <laughs> stuff in the background there. The idea of 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 making mud. Uh, the verb that's used there has the idea of kneading, like you knead dough. Yeah. And so that that's forbidden on the Sabbath. Uh, anointing. He anoints his eyes. It's a unique word for anointing. It's not the ordinary anointings. You know, there are anointings that happen on the Sabbath, but certain anointings do not happen on the Sabbath. You know, in the in the you know Jewish law, and so not Old Testament. This is the added yeah, yeah, oral law, the, and yeah. so he's Jesus is violating that. And then he has the guy, you know, go run. Okay, <laughs> you know, not just you know, casually walk, run. Okay. And so, and so, you know, there's violation after violation after violation of, of the Sabbath in the Pharisaic uh, sense. And that's of, all they of, could see. Yes, yes. It's insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that you miss the forest for the trees. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my goodness. And, and probably, you know, again, with the whole idea of light uh, being in it, in and of itself being an uh, allusion back to the creation narrative, of course, the making the mud, uh, many connect what's going on there yeah. with a creation illusion of, of Yahweh forming man out of the dust because the image that's being used there is of a potter. Of course, water is mixed with the earth uh, to create the clay. So man's created out of the clay, you know, so to speak. And so... Uh, and, they, and they're just not getting that. They're not, they're not getting that. 
Yeah, I, <clears throat> you know, you pick up on the frustration of Jesus that these guys ought to know. I mean, I can remember driving in Colorado and I see all these deer out there and I'm, I'm yelling, hey, look at all those deer. And my family's going, where? And I'm like, right there, where? Right there. And it's just so frustrating that they, you know, they have eyes to see, but they don't see it. Uh, well, to, to kind of carry on that metaphor is one of the frustrations I have, you know, because I'm, I'm the husband, I'm the dad, so I'm the chauffeur. Uh, I'm the driver, <laughs> and and my kids or my wife will say say look at that, look at that, and I'm like, uh, you're gonna have to tell me where it is because my <laughs> eyes are straight ahead, yeah. unlike Mr. Worley, where whose eyes may be on a card game or something, oh, but, but uh, while he's driving, wow. it's a uh, gift. It's a but, gift, Mark. It's but, a gift. Uh, he I went use, there. I use my abilities for other things. Uh, well, anyway, you know, it's like you got to point to me, and, and there's a refusal of these guys to look look aside from these aberrations of the Sabbath to look aside to see what's really happening out there. You know, I got my I got my eyes ahead here on the road, so I'm yeah. not seeing you know Mount Rushmore <laughs> over yeah. there in the horizon. Uh, Mark, there, there's another passage that, that's kind of a, a similar, uh, and, and I'm, I just have a question. Second Peter, the first chapter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Peter describes this growth process, mm-hmm. add to faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, et cetera, and, and to love, growing to love. It's a mm-hmm. progressive thing there. But at the end, he says, if you, if you do not possess these qualities in increasing measure, you're nearsighted or blind. Yeah, and I and I, I, I was fast. I'm fascinated by the fact there's progression there. I'm nearsighted. I'm like really nearsighted, yeah, but I'm not too. blind. Me too. I'm not blind. Yeah. Okay, there's a difference between nearsightedness and blindness. The ancient peoples knew that, and we know that. Mm. And I think it is interesting that Peter uses both metaphors to connote that there's a progression in deterioration. Uh, you know, he's so kind of like, like saying, you may be at the beginning stages of loss of sight. Do something now to correct your vision. Because if you don't, you're going to end up here, blind. And, and, and I wonder if in some respects, is if he may even have in mind the inverse of one of the other great blinds, blind receives his sight stories that's recorded in Mark where you have the two-stage healing of a blind man where Jesus spits on man's eyes and then says, well, you see it. He sees, you know, yeah, see, trees. see trees, you know, see them, they're like trees walking and then there's progression until he comes to full sight and I think the gospel writer uses that uh, to as a demonstration this is how faith occurs Mm -hmm. and we see in the near context where Peter gets it but he doesn't quite get it he gets it about Jesus the Christ but he doesn't quite get what that means well there's hope for him he's going to gain sight and so you're on one of those two pathways you're either moving toward full sight or you're moving toward blindness you know 
everyone is on one of those two trajectories when they're confronted with the gospel. Yeah, and Peter, and, he and says, sighted are blind and have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your sins. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, passage there. And I, I love your explanation of that. Yeah, it's, if you're not progressing, then you're going the other way. Yeah. That's yeah. good. There is no stationary point no. in the Christian life. You're moving forward or you're regressing backwards. Excellent. Thank you for your insights, Dr. Right. Halen, as always. Yeah. Great discussion. If you want to know more about this type of education here at Dallas Christian College, we encourage you to check us out at www.dallas.edu. And uh, again, our mission here at Dallas Christian College is to educate and mentor students to be people of influence engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. We pray that this uh, today's episode has been one that will uh, encourage you in your spiritual walk, that you'll continue to move forward in the light, and we pray that you have a great week. Thank you for being a regular listener to the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. Have a great day.